podcast everybody thank you so much for joining me here again today really excited about today's episode i get to talk to y'all about svalbard norway and if you've never heard of svalbard it is a island that's way up north um it's actually on the 78th the city or the town that you visit when you travel there is in the 78th latitude which is way inside the arctic circle pretty close to the north pole so it's a really cool, unique place to visit. Um, <clears throat> it's Svalbard in and of itself is comprised of a few different islands, but Longyearbyen, which is where you normally visit if you're going there, is on the island of Spitsbergen. So like, if you mailed a letter to Longyearbyen, the like address would be like Longyearbyen, Spitsbergen, Svalbard, Norway. It's like a huge like there's a lot of distinctions to be made there um it's a really cool place i honestly do not know how i first learned about svalbard um but for the past few years it's been on my list of places that i wanted to go visit and so over spring break it just it was the time to go so um, one of the things that I really wanted to do there was to see the Northern Lights. It's a pretty good place to see the Northern Lights. And so that's the main reason that I wanted to go like in the wintery kind of months. Normally, I would want to go to a place like that over summer just because you have like the midnight sun and all that kind of stuff like I did in Iceland. But because I want to see the Northern Lights, one of these days I was going to have to bite the bullet and go someplace during winter time. And so I figured Svalbard would be a great place to do it. Now, traveling in March was actually not um, too bad as terms of like lightness and dark. I believe the sun had like polar night had ended sometime in February. And by the time that we got there, it was kind of normal hours, I think. It was like, you know, 7 a.m. to like sunrise time to around like six or so um, sunset time so or at least like when it got dark was like seven o'clock or so so it was pretty pretty normal I was at first I was like oh March like that'll be fine but then it was still like the polar night in like February and so I was like hmm maybe this is too early to really get you know any sun but it actually it turned out great. Um, the the hours that the sun were out, you know, turned out to be pretty awesome. Um, so <clears throat> getting up to Svalbard is kind of interesting in and of itself. There are a few different ways you can get there. I'm sure you can take there's like cruises from a place called Tromso, which is up north. I'm sure maybe like Oslo and some other places, you know, you can take a cruise up there. But that's really only during the summer months because the the ice sheets and things um, that far north are too thick for cruise boats to go through. When we were up there, um, there were like no cruises or anything like that available for us to do as tourists, just because it was still so close to the winter time that you know the ice sheets hadn't broken up yet. But if you're going during summer, this is a, absolutely a way for you to look into to get there. I really don't know the cost for it because I didn't check at all. Um, other, otherwise, besides taking a boat, you have to fly because it's an island. And it was really interesting. So we flew from Copenhagen, and then we flew from Copenhagen to Oslo, Norway. And then from Oslo, we flew to this place called Tromso, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago. And Tromso is pretty far north on the actual like peninsula of um, Norway. And I think it's it might be like one of the large, like it's, one of the largest cities that that's that far north like it's one of those weird like claims to fame you know but it's actually a pretty popular destination and some of the best northern light viewing places are in or around Tromso so you know if you had a lot of time or if you just wanted to spend a ton of time in Tromso you definitely could just hang out there for a little bit uh, I'm sure you can also get to Tromso overland from Oslo or other places in Europe and then just take a short flight from Tromso to Svalbard or a boat or helicopter or whatever. Then we had to 
we had a layover in Tromso, and I believe like every flight from Svalbard, like you have to, if you're flying into Norway, like to Oslo, like we were, you have to stop in Tromso. And it's interesting. This is why it's kind of weird, like their relationship, because Svalbard does not require any type of visas or it's like a visa free location. And so basically anybody from anywhere in the world can go to Svalbard and work and live and visit. And so like, even if you were from some country that wasn't allowed into Norway, you could still visit Svalbard. And I'm not really sure the reason I think there's like some treaty that allowed this to happen. Maybe it had to do with like the coal mining and just like wanting as many different types of people to come there to work. I really don't know. Um, but because of that, when we stopped in Tromso, we actually had to go through customs, which was really weird. So it's like, I'm in Norway, I'm flying to Norway, but they're stamping our passports. So we were in line and I was like, are they stamping us into Norway, out of Norway? Like they didn't stamp us between Copenhagen and Oslo. So I was really confused um, what was happening. But then when we got to passport control, they actually stamped us out of Norway and then we flew to Svalbard and then on the way back we stopped at Tromso and they stamped us in to Norway. So it was like, it was really weird. Um, but it has to do with that, like Svalbard's kind of like a no man's land, like any, it doesn't exactly carry the same rules as um, mainland Norway. So <clears throat> the flights there were also kind of interesting. I was looking, there's two main um, airlines that fly to Svalbard. One is Norwegian Airlines and then the other is Scandinavian Airlines. And it was funny because one of those airlines, I think it was Norwegian, was like cheaper to fly to Svalbard, but then Scandinavian was cheaper to fly back. And so um, you definitely can get like a round trip flight um, from Copenhagen or Oslo up to Svalbard, but it's going to cost you a little bit more than just splitting it up. So for two people, it was it was like $276 to fly there. So that's like, what, $140 or something like that to fly there. And then it was $375 to fly back. And those were like the two cheaper options. So like together, it was like $325 a person. But if I would have booked round trip on just Scandinavian or just Norwegian, it was going to be like $350, $360 or something like that. And also, each of those airlines only fly on certain days. It's not like they... It's not like Scandinavian Airlines flies that route every single day. So you might have to kind of mix match to be able to go and come back on the days that you want. So I don't know the exact days, but it might just be like Scandinavian flies there on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Norwegian flies there on like Tuesday, Fridays or something like that. And so you might have to mix and match just depending on your dates um, that you want to travel as well. So keep that in mind. Um, it might be cheaper to just buy, uh, buy two one-way tickets instead of a round trip. So um, getting there was pretty simple. I mean, except for there was, what, two two layovers just to get there. The layover in Tromso was really weird. Um, they have like this tiny terminal and it's like this huge tent warehouse looking thing. And that's just where all the Svalbard people just funnel through every single time. And so they had like a pretty nice looking airport and then just like this pop-up tent over here on the left side that you had to like walk through. There was like a bathroom inside and it was like just one big room. It was really weird. Um, but it wasn't part of the normal airport. So whenever you're flying through Tromso, through to Svalbard or from Svalbard, you don't actually go through the main Tromso airport. There's like this little extra place that they funnel you through. So <clears throat> once you land in Svalbard, it's pretty nice. They have a bus system set up. And I mean, there's like 2,000, 2,500 people or something like that on Svalbard or in Longyearbyen. And so there's not like a public transportation system. Like we saw a couple of taxis, I think. But this bus is basically they know when the flights are because there's like two or three flights a day and they come up there, they park. And then when you get off your plane, I was like, I mean, we're 
carrying just our backpacks. So we get off the plane pretty quickly and I mean, we're ready to go explore, but there's literally just these one buses for the entire plane. So it doesn't really matter how quickly you get on or off the plane. Like you're still going to be waiting there the same amount of time. So I don't feel like you need to rush. Um, <clears throat> but once you land, you kind of just sit around for a little bit, waiting for everybody else to get their luggage. And then once everybody's ready to go, you just kind of go to a bus driver and you're like, hey, this is my hotel. Is this the right bus? And if they say yes, you get on their bus. And then if not, they'll point to whichever bus that you need to go. I think there was like three or four buses there. One bus was for like a guided tour, like it was pre-booked or something. Um, and then there was another bus that had to do with some of the um, hotels like in the main area of town. And then there was another bus that did like the hostels and hotels that were a little farther outside of town. So you just need to find whichever bus you need to get on and you can pay with card. I think it was like maybe $10 or something like that a person. So kind of expensive, but it's really the only way for you to get into town. You can rent a car but there's like no roads outside of Long Airbnb. Um, in town, I've, I mean, sure, it would be worth it, I guess, to not have to walk into town, like depending on where you're staying. But I can't imagine how pricey that rental car would be. So I really don't think it'd be worth it. And like if you're going out of town, like there's not very many roads for you to take anyways. Like it's not like you're gonna be going on a road trip like you would be in Iceland or anything like that. So really, um, really taking a rental car or anything like that would just be a waste um, in my opinion. So once um, you get on the bus, they you know have this route and they drop you off at your hotel. Now there's, most of the hotels are in like the city center of Long Airbnb, but the place that I picked was called the Coal Miners Cabin, and it was um, sort. Of, there's like one road that goes far behind the town, and so the Coal Miners Cabin is like at the very end of that road. And I knew it was going to be like a little bit of a walk into town. But then we got on this road and we're just driving and driving and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to walk this every single day. But it turned out it was like a 25 minute walk into town and we saved like a hundred bucks a night or something. So for me, it was worth it. Um, you know, it was pretty cold while we were there and we made it. But if it was like in December, January, February, maybe you would want to stay at one of the more local um, hotels, but we did just fine doing that walk a couple times a day so <clears throat> once we were in Svalbard and once we were in town which first off let me say Long Airbnb is the northernmost town in the world so like there's a couple other settlements on um in Svalbard that are more northerly but Long Airbnb is like the largest what would be considered a town like it's large enough to be considered a town like there's more than five people who live there or whatever so that's pretty cool basically everything in that town is the northernmost of that town like there's a circle k gas station that's the more northernmost gas station in the world there's like a brewery that's the northernmost brewery there's like a coffee shop that's the northernmost coffee shop so if you like things like that, that's definitely a place to go and just like check off all these different things that you've been able to say that you've gone to. Um, so one thing about Svalbard is they're starting to become more touristy, but I think they're still kind of on the edge of it. I don't think they're fully submerged and I don't think they want it to be fully submerged. Like it's a very natural like tourism free like place they only have, like they don't allow helicopters and things like that like it's just a very peaceful beautiful place that i don't think the people who like the governor of svalbard does not want to change that which is great um but because of that there were a few issues when it came to planning and booking things in advance that probably wouldn't happen in most places like for a tourist destination just because like people at um like different agencies of tours that i wanted to take like 
wouldn't respond to messages, wouldn't answer phone calls, wouldn't respond to emails. And so it was kind of just like, oh, this is just like our side gig sort of thing. And, oh, I check this email once a week or, you know, whatever. So if you're, it's not going to be, it wasn't that it wasn't easy to travel to, but it's just not as um, tourist prepared, I should say, um, as a lot of places. So because of that, we were going to do a boat tour. And I know I mentioned at the beginning that there were no cruises, but that I found one cruise that um, that was actually running. It was um, the first cruise of the year, and it kind of just went out of the fjord of Longyearbyen and kind of explored around a little bit. And it was literally like supposed to be like the second outing of that cruise for the year when we were there. Um, and it was kind of interesting because the main thing that I wanted to do in Long Airbnb was besides seeing the Northern Lights was I wanted to go dog sledding. That's something that I've always wanted to do. And so being able to go dog sledding in Svalbard, Norway just sounded epic. And I also found a snowmobiling tour that takes you to the East Coast of Svalbard. And, you know, you get to go through the beautiful landscapes and you have the possibility of seeing polar bears. It just seemed super cool. So I'm looking into the snowmobile trip probably like a month or so before our trip and as I'm looking into it I'm like surely I don't need a driver's license to drive a snowmobile like in the states you don't I mean a two-year-old could get on a snowmobile and I don't think he'd get in trouble so I was like but you know maybe I'd better double check because let me tell you excursions in Svalbard are expensive the snowmobile trip was going to cost like 300 and something dollars per person like it was crazy it was like 350 dollars i think per person and it's like non-refundable so i'm like i don't want to pay 350 dollars show up and they'd be like oh do you have a snowmobile license or do you have an international driver's license to be able to drive here in Svalbard?" so i was like i better look into this just double check cross my t's dot my i's and so i like start looking into it and it's like yes, you do need a driver's license to drive a snowmobile in Svalbard. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Um, And it's really weird, like, driving in other countries because some countries you can use your American driver's license. Some countries you need an international driver's license. It's like, why, why does it differ? I don't really understand. But I was like, okay, well, let me look into what I need to be able to make this work. Is mine acceptable? So I'm looking into it. And basically it's like some treaty, like some Geneva treaty that was signed in like the 60s. If your country didn't sign it, then you're not eligible to drive in Norway. And so, of course, the United States hadn't signed this treaty. So I was like, hmm, well, maybe I can get an international driver's license because it's not really that expensive to get one. So I look into that and Svalbard does not accept international driver's license or driver's permit. So I'm like... They don't take international driver's permits and you can't drive there if you don't have this certain driver's license. So basically if you're from the United States, you're kind of just out of luck. So I'm looking into all of this and I'm like, I'm reading all these like reviews and I'm reading all of these um, like blog posts and stuff of people from the United States who have done the snowmobile trips. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is just one of those rules that is there, but nobody really cares. So I email a snowmobile tour company and I'm like asking them like, hey, I have a US driver's license. I can drive like the same vehicles that the driver's license I'm supposed to have for Norway tells me I need to be able to drive, but it had to have pictures of the vehicles that you could drive on it. And the US does not have pictures on the driver's license of the vehicles you can drive. So I'm like, is it still legal? Because I can't. You don't accept international driver's permits. So really, I'm just out of luck if you you can't let me do this. And so the first guy was like, Yeah, I really don't know if that's allowed or not. And I'm like, Dude, you work at a tour company. Like, surely this situation has come up before, and you've either had to say yes or no. <laughs> so I email him back, and I'm like is this something that's actually like checked or is it just something that is a rule but if I showed up you're just gonna be like oh that's fine and he is like well 
it used to be a deal where it wasn't, you know, like we would just let you do it. It didn't really matter. But at the beginning of the year, the governor of Svalbard has really like cracked down on us following this rule and has become more strict about it. So I was like, okay, that kind of makes more sense. Um, so I was like, so if I show up, are you going to say yes or no? And he was like, mm, let me send your driver's license to the governor and see what he says. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of, this is getting kind of up there. If you're sending my driver's license to the governor, that seems kind of important. So I'm like, okay. So I sent him my driver's license info and all that kind of stuff. So in the meantime, I'm kind of like, all right, well, this snowmobile thing, I don't think it's going to work. Plus, it's $350 per person. That's going to be like $700 for me and my wife to do this. That's a lot of money for a day trip, you know. So I start looking at other things, and that's when I find this cruise. So I start looking into this cruise. It looks really cool. Um, and so I'm... I'm almost about to book the tickets for this cruise and then I noticed that it has an eight person minimum and so once again like this is going to be like a hundred and something dollars per person to do and I'm like I don't want to pay 200 something dollars and then on the day of them be like oh sorry like we didn't have eight people so we're canceling this tour yes they would give us our money back but then there's a day that we had planned and booked stuff for that's now wasted. So I emailed them and I tried to call them like three or four times, several different days, never heard back from them. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't really feel comfortable doing this um, without, you know, any confirmation of like, I'm thinking it's Fallbart as well. Like, are there going to be eight tourists there? Like, I don't know. So eventually I find a TripAdvisor review for this cruise company and it's from like that morning. And so I'm like reading it at work and it's like, this company is terrible. Like basically we had booked for today, like that was the first cruise of the year and then we were gonna be like on the second cruise of the year. And they were like, we bought this and then we've literally just been sitting at our hotel for like three hours. They were supposed to pick us up like three hours ago for this tour and they never showed up they never called or anything we took a taxi into town nobody was at the office even though the office was open and like they weren't giving them their money back and not contacting them at all and i was like okay like that seals it like i'm not <laughs> about to spend 250 dollars or 300 dollars on this cruise and then show up and just be sitting in my hotel all day waiting for them to come pick me up and then them not so I was like, okay, we're not doing the cruise. And about that time, I get another email back from the snowmobile company. And they're like, hey, um, he, they sent me a link to a press release. And it was from the governor who basically said that anyone who signed that first like 1960 treaty and then another different treaty is allowed to drive on Svalbard. And the U.S. had signed that second treaty. So based off of that, I would be able to drive the snowmobile. I was like, cool, but during all this, it just like put down my mind, like, mm, do I really even want to do this? Like, I was actually getting psyched about this cruise, and so when they were like, yeah, you can do the snowmobile, I was like, I really don't even know if I want to anymore, especially for $700, like, that's crazy expensive. So I ended up not booking either of those things, and I ended up just booking the dog sledding. So... <clears throat> There are tons of things for you to do in Svalbard, but just know that they're all going to be pretty expensive. So you kind of just have to weigh like what's worth it to you. Um, obviously, you're flying all the way across the world and up to almost the top of the world. So, you know, splurge a little bit, but just keep in mind that like the um, snowmobile and this was like an eight hour long snowmobile trip um, across the entire island. So it was like, you know you were doing a lot but it was like 350 dollars a person um the dog sledding was a little like 140 or 150 dollars a person i think uh, for four hours out there and i'll talk about that more here in a minute um the cruise was going to be about 120 dollars for it was like an eight an eight hour thing um and then you could do hiking for you know, a little over a hundred dollars for like a four-hour hike. Um, I'm trying to think, what else? There are some like ice cave tours. You could do tours to the coal mines. 
um you could do like just you know treks out in like the desert like the snowy desert um but all these things are very expensive so when you're planning a trip there just keep in mind like okay do i want to be doing stuff the entire time or am i okay just kind of exploring on my own and things like that one thing i did see too there are these i think they're something called something like a cat tour and it's like this like this vehicle can that can go off-road and it's like it's on tracks it's not on wheels and those look pretty cool i think they were about a hundred dollars a person but they kind of just take you out into the wilderness and you're just like in this box like with heat i'm assuming and you're just kind of it's like a glass box and you can just see you know everything outside the terrain and all that kind of stuff um I didn't really know what that was when I was researching before the trip, but then I saw them while I was there, and I was like, oh, that would be pretty cool to do. So that's one thing that I might have wanted to do if I would have known about it beforehand, but you know, I'm pretty happy with how the trip turned out um, as it did. So <clears throat> just keep in mind that about the tours. There's a lot to do there if you do enough research, but it is going to cost you quite a bit. So <clears throat> that first day, we got there. We landed at around two o'clock but even though we landed at two o'clock everyone didn't have their bags and were on the bus until around three so we didn't get to our hotel until probably three thirty, four o'clock once we got checked in and all that kind of stuff then we walked into town and the walk into town from coal miners cabin was about 25 minutes from um our front step to basically the the front edge of town so like we could have gotten to the back edge of town after about 15 minutes or so but if you wanted to walk to like where the restaurants the grocery store the museum and stuff like that are at it's going to be around 25 minutes and it was that same distance both ways we timed ourselves both ways i had read stuff before about there being like a hill going up there and it kind of was more of an incline than going down but it did not add to our time at all so don't i wouldn't really worry about that it wasn't that hard of a walk I was really surprised because even though everything was like completely covered in snow and ice, I don't think we slipped or fell like one time. So I was pretty impressed uh, by that. I think I said something about it like an hour before we left and then I was like, oh crap, now I'm about to fall. But I didn't. So any, anyways, we walked into town. Most stuff closed pretty early, um, but of course the restaurants and the grocery store and stuff like that were open until like around 8 o'clock or so. So we walked into town, we went to a restaurant, I got a whale steak. Now, there's only like one type of whale in the world that you're still legally allowed to like hunt in Norway. And so I can't remember what it's called, but that's the kind of whale that I had, obviously. And that's one of the only places you can eat whale. So I was like, I gotta try a whale steak. And it was actually pretty good. Since whales are mammals, it's not like a fishy texture. It is sort of like a beefy texture, but it kind of had like a, an ahi tuna steak kind of taste so it was kind of like a mix between seafood it was like a surf and turf but one thing <laughs> it wasn't like multiple things so that was really good i also had a reindeer pizza later in our stay like the next day or two days later and it was actually pretty good as well i think the whale steak beats it out though for being the most interesting thing i ate um talking about reindeer there are a bunch of reindeer like all around town there's no natural predators for a reindeer in Svalbard so basically they just kind of do their own thing and they're just wandering around town they'd be outside of our hotel they'd be you know walking out front of the grocery store um there are polar bears in Svalbard but they don't come into town normally so I guess that would be a predator for a reindeer outside of Svalbard um, or outside along European, but inside the town, they don't really have anything to worry about. <clears throat> Talking about polar bears, you are not allowed to leave basically the city without carrying a weapon to protect yourself from the polar bears, which is why you have to pay for literally all your tours. Like, you can't just say, oh, that mountain over there, I'm going to go hike that mountain, because once you leave the town you're required to have like a tour guide who's carrying a gun <coughs> now i guess technically if you really wanted to go through all the red tape to carry your own gun you could um, and be fine 
but I wasn't gonna do all that and rent a gun in Svalbard just so I could go do my own thing for a little bit. I'm sure it would have cost more than just paying for a hiking tour guide or whatever. So there's like polar bear warning signs at all like the exits of town. And at first I thought I was gonna be kind of restrained by that. Like, oh man, like that's gonna suck. Like I can't just kind of wander off on my own. But I guess it might've been cool to climb one of the mountains around town but there was plenty to do and explore in town and i could like kind of wander around a little bit and get good views without having to like leave the town space so it's not as big of a restriction um as you might think especially if you're only going to be there for like two or three days like we were <clears throat> so that first day after we ate dinner um we basically just walked back to our hotel and spent the night the next day was the day that I had open to do some of the other tours, but since we didn't have anything to do, we kind of just spent that day exploring the town, which was honestly a lot of fun. Like, I'm glad we had that one day to just explore the town. Walking from the coal miner's cabin, um, we walked up to the Longyearbyen Church, which kind of had a pretty good view. It was kind of up on a higher point so that we were able to see the entire town. So that was really pretty. Um, and then we walked down into the town, kind of walked around the shops, um, looked at some of the souvenirs, <coughs> walked into the grocery store, kind of explored um, in there to see what kind of foods they had and things like that, bought some snacks. And then we went to the Svalbard Museum, and it was actually really cool. Um, it was nice. It was a nice break from the cold. It was like negative four or five degrees or something, so it was nice to like get inside and warm up for a little bit. They had a history of Longyearbyen and Svalbard about the whalers who used to whale off the coast. And then the introduction of coal mining and things like that, and then just like the settlement in general. There were some stuffed, like, stuffed animals, like real animals that had been stuffed. So like there was a polar bear, some walruses, things like that, which were really cool. So if you have not seen a polar bear yet, definitely stop in there so that you can see one for sure. Um, once we left there, we did a little bit more walking around. There's some really colorful, cool neighborhoods around the museum area. And then we walked out to basically like the coast or the beachy area next to the fjord and just to get some really pretty views. It There was snow everywhere, which was really awesome because I normally don't travel to cold places, so it was really nice to just be in like a winter wonderland for a few days. It was really pretty. Um, <clears throat> so after that, we walked over to a, um, a cafe, and it's called the Husky Cafe, and they have old snow dog, old, yeah, snow sledding dogs that just kind of like lay around the cafe and you can kind of like pet them and play with them and stuff like that they're kind of just chilled out laying there um but once again just another cool place to sit around um warm up a little bit they had some nice pastries and things like that to eat um after we left there then we walked around town some more i think then we bought some of our souvenirs and then we went to uh, a restaurant and i had that reindeer pizza and then that was basically our whole day and we headed back up to our hotel. So you definitely can spend one full day really exploring and getting to know the city or town of Longyearbyen. Two days would definitely be overkill. So you can definitely do that in one day um, and then start touring around and doing your excursions after that day. So the second full day that we were there was our dog sledding day, and they weren't gonna pick us up until around three. So we kinda just laid around that morning, had breakfast at our hotel. We did walk into town to get some more souvenirs. We had gotten this chocolate bar that Norway is supposed to be famous for, and we were like, okay, if we like this chocolate bar, then we'll go back and buy it for like all our friends and family for their souvenir. And so we really liked it, so we're like, all right, we have to go back. So we walked into town, um, and that's when we timed ourselves because we were like, okay, let's see how long it takes. So it took us like 25 minutes to get there, 25 minutes to get back. We got our snacks and everything. And then um, it's, it was called Green Dog, Svalbard Green Dog Snow Sledding. And a really awesome company. I have great reviews online and everything. And it was, I'm pretty sure it's called Green Dog because um, the owners of the dog sledding company moved from Greenland 
which was really cool. And so a lot of the dogs were Greenlandic um, snow sledding dogs, which was cool. Um, <clears throat> so the dog sledding experience in and of itself was really awesome. They picked us up and we got to drive outside of Longyearbyen, which was really cool just because it gave us a different perspective of the area and a different view. We had been in the town for like two full days, like looking at the same mountains. So just to get a different view, you know, see a new set of mountains was really cool. Um, they took us up to their kennels and like we basically every tour that you take there, like they have their own gear for you to wear. So don't freak out if you don't have like a snowsuit or like snowshoes or anything like that. Like if you're doing a tour that requires something, then most of the time they're going to have it for you. So we changed into like a snowsuit and we had like snow boots on and like they had extra like gaiters and like hats and stuff and mittens for us to wear, which was really nice. And then we got to go out and play with the sled dogs a little bit and then like they gave us a little safety speech and all this kind of stuff and then we got on the sleds and they paired us up so it was me and my wife and she didn't want to drive so she just sat in the sleigh and then I got to drive the dog sled for the whole time which was awesome and <clears throat> it was honestly really easy the dogs like knew exactly where they were supposed to go so really all you had to do as the driver was like stop them so there was like a break that you'd have to slow them down and jump on to stop the sled or else they would just run forever um but it was really cool we the tour was for four hours and we were out there for probably an hour and a half actually driving um <clears throat> we went about 15 miles in an hour and a half and it was really pretty we went out, they have like a little circuit, I guess. And so basically when you get to the back edge of the circuit, you can just turn around and see absolutely nothing. Like you can't see any coal mines, you can't see any other dog sledders, you can't see any little cabins set up anywhere. Like it's literally just like a mountain over here, a mountain over there, and then like an open valley. And it's just all covered in snow. And you're like, I wonder what would happen right now if a polar bear just comes barreling down this mountain at me but it was really pretty it was just really you know majestic out there and i'd highly recommend doing something that allows you to get out of the city uh, out of the town into the wilderness it was absolutely phenomenal um <clears throat> so once we got back um once we had finished snow sledding we went up and they gave us like coffee and tea and like waffles and things like that we kind of just sat around talked and warmed up a little bit and then they had some puppies that we got to play with which was really cool and then they took us back to our hotel, and it was legit four hours from pickup to drop off. So um, <clears throat> when you look at a tour in Svalbard, like whatever the tour says, like, oh, this is a six-hour tour, this is a four-hour tour, like that's from beginning to end. Like that's not, oh, I get four hours of dog sledding time? Sweet. No, it's like they're picking you up at three, and you're going to be back on your doorstep at seven. So just keep that in mind when you are booking things like that. Um <clears throat> That night we were pretty tired <clears throat> um, because we'd been out, you know, we were really working on that dog sled. And so we were pretty exhausted. So we kind of just stuck around the hotel and they had a restaurant at our hotel that we ate at um, and then went to bed. The next day we had to leave to catch our flight around, um, around noon. And so that same bus that will drop you off from the airport it also has the same schedule that comes by and picks you up like two hours before each flight. So it should stop at like wherever you're dropped off at. If it's a spot that they drop people off at, they're also going to stop there to pick you up. And you can always ask reception um, at your hotel, you know, the timetable and stuff like that. But that was really convenient um, and a really cool service to have running in town. I will say about the Northern Lights... Okay, we did not see the northern lights at all. The conditions were perfect. I mean, literally, it was freezing cold. The skies were absolutely clear every single night, like zero clouds. And I think one night we were there, we actually had like really strong meter ratings for like whatever they're measuring for. Um, <clears throat> but we saw nothing. The first two nights, I would wake up like every hour and either look out our window, which had a pretty good view towards where the Northern Lights were supposed to be, or I would actually get up and go outside and look around. 
Um, the last night I was just like over it. And so I put my phone in the window and just did like a slow-mo recording all night and nothing happened. Um, and the more I was there, the more I was like, it's so just honestly luck. Unless you have like a hotel where they'll like call you and wake you up when they see the Northern Lights. Like, it's almost impossible unless, like, that's happening or you're sleeping in, like, one of those dome, like, glass domes out in the middle of nowhere because the lights last for, like, 10 minutes. And so, like, even if you're waking up every hour to go check on them, even, like, you know, I woke up at the hour every hour. So what happens, you know, if they start at 12.05 and then are done by 12.15? Like, I would have missed it even if I woke woke up at 12 and woke up at 1.00. So, you know, by that last night, I was kind of just like, hmm, it's probably not going to happen. So I'm just going to throw this camera in the window and see. Um, I've also heard that Svalbard is so far up north. It's almost like down in the States, like I'm not going to see, I'm in Texas. I'm not going to see the Northern Lights down here because I'm so far away from them. And so you're like, okay, I'm at the North Pole. Like that should be the pristine spot. But it's like actually at the Arctic Circle, I think where you can best see them so we were so far above the arctic circle or whatever latitude the northern lights are at that we were like pretty far away from them so actually tromso is one of the perfect spots to actually watch the northern lights um and apparently there was a pretty good show there and even in oslo while we were up in svalbard so that was kind of annoying but you know it'll happen if it happens and by the end of it i was like well, I knew it was something that I couldn't bet on seeing, but I mean, when I got there and I saw the weather conditions, I was like, oh yeah, we got this in the bag, um, and it did not work out. So I've always read, like, don't ever travel somewhere just to see the Northern Lights, just because you really cannot bet on them, um, and that's so true. Like, if I had gone there just to see them, I would have been sorely disappointed, but there were so much other things to do that when I didn't see them, I was like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I had a ton of fun anyways. Um, you know, I think, oh, a couple other things. So, um, the flight from, really the flight from Oslo to Tromso is absolutely beautiful. Um, in Oslo, it was kind of crazy because we were in Copenhagen and there was like no snow whatsoever. It snowed on us a little bit, like flurried one night but there wasn't like no snow anywhere. And then as soon as we got into Oslo, there was snow everywhere. So like Copenhagen and Oslo, I don't feel like are that far apart, but you know, there was a ton of snow everywhere once you got into Norway. But once you're flying about halfway between Oslo and Tromso, there's like just mountains and the wilderness is just expansive and beautiful. And I literally just stared out the window the entire flight. Um, so definitely get a window seat if you can on that leg of the trip and then on from Svalbard back to Tromso when you fly out of Svalbard you fly right over Longyearbyen and so it was really cool to get like an aerial view of the town um, after we had spent a few days there so definitely get a window seat for that flight if you are able um also we flew Norwegian and Scandinavian, like I mentioned before, and I don't think they're technically budget airlines, but they're kind of that type of airline where you have to buy all these extras and things like that. And so we paid for, I paid for like a checked bag, even though I wasn't going to check a bag just because that was the only way to get an extra um, carry-on. And I know that the way that you board is basically by what group you're in, and your group is based off of what you're allowed to carry on. So they were not strict at all when it came to us as to like how much does your bag weigh does it fit in this bin anything like that but i really don't know you know if i would have been in that last group and trying to sneak in with an extra large bag like if they would have done anything about it so just be careful when you're flying um an airline like that to make sure that you don't get stranded or hung up at the airport with your bag um, on the way back, okay, this is this is the last story. On the way back, there, as soon as we got to the airport in Longyearbyen, our flight was delayed by an hour. Like our flight hadn't even arrived yet 
because basically they just take a plane they fly it somewhere and fly it back fly it back fly it back fly it back so our flight from tromso hadn't even landed yet and so we're like that's great because we had what three flights fall bar or long year being to tromso tromso to oslo and then oslo to copenhagen so we had like a couple hour we had like a one hour layover some two hour layover in oslo and so you know that's the one i'm really looking at because we're on the same plane like basically when you get off at tromso you literally they just get you off the plane and they like um gas it up i don't know you go through customs and then you literally get back on the same plane same seat everything so <clears throat> i wasn't worried about that leg but i was worried about getting on the flight to copenhagen because that's the one that really mattered so we were about an hour late getting out of long european we catch up a little bit of time i think we were 45 minutes late getting out of tromso so we're flying to oslo and all these delays are because of snow in oslo apparently apparently there was like a huge snowstorm so like literally every plane in norway was like delayed by an hour which saved our butt but <clears throat> when we landed in oslo we landed it was, we literally landed 30 minutes after our plane was already supposed to leave but i knew that they had been delayed as well so i was like okay we still have a chance and the um the stewardesses were like oh yeah they they'll probably wait for you like they know you that you're coming and all these things and she said we were landing in d and i could have swore she said we were leaving from d as well and so i was like okay this is sweet like we're only a gate away like this is awesome but then when we get out i realized that we had actually landed in b not d and so we had like two terminals to move through and i was like oh my gosh so i'm like running through this airport and there's like a corner where i'm supposed to turn left to go down this other hallway but in the corner on the right side of the wall i see a you know a screen with all the flights and of course like i already misheard that we were flying into d and not b so i want to make sure that i'm going to the right gate so i turn and i'm like i'm running straight but i'm looking over to the right and then i finally pick up my flight and i'm already at the curve so then i start like walking backwards i find my flight and i turn around and i run smack into a pole like there's literally a pole in the middle of this hallway in the middle of this bend in the hallway and i literally run right into it and i literally have not felt that sort of head trauma since i've been like hit with a baseball or something in college or high school and so i'm like oh my gosh this hurts so bad it was like right on my eyebrow and so i reach up and i'm like i hope it's just not split because if it's split that's going to be a huge mess and so like i'm feeling my eyebrow where it hit and i like bring my hand down and there's no blood on it and so i'm like okay well I'm not bleeding. I probably have a concussion, but I don't care. <laughs> like I'm still getting to this gate. So I'm like half doubled over, like hand is covering my face because it's like still throbbing and I'm still running through the airport <laughs> to get to the gate. And we finally get to the gate and it probably like took 10 minutes to get there um, running. And so we finally get there and they still haven't started boarding yet to that flight either. Um, so we got there like five minutes before they started boarding and my head just hurts so bad. Like that entire flight, I'm pretty sure I had a concussion, but we'll never know. Um, <clears throat> and then we flew back to Copenhagen, um, got there about two hours later than we were supposed to, but we made it. And yeah, that was our time in Svalbard. It was totally worth it. Um, I really love places like that. I like kind of switching it up between nature and history on my trips. And so this was definitely like a nature trip. Although Copenhagen had, you know, some history involved there as well. But I really like going to places like Svalbard. It's a pretty off the beaten track place, at least currently. And I really think it's going to stay that way. Not necessarily um, by people's choice, but I think um, the people who run Svalbard in and of itself will make sure it kind of stays more low-key like I don't think they're going to be opening a ton of hotels a ton of restaurants I think it's going to be forced to stay a smaller travel location which is really cool 
Um, <clears throat> in fact, I learned like a week after we got back that Tom Cruise was in Longyear being like the day before we left and because they were trying to film Mission Impossible there, which was pretty crazy. Like if I would have seen Tom Cruise in Svalbard, I'd been like, what in the world? Um, so it's a really cool location. I would highly recommend going there. Um, if you like, you know, outdoorsy things, like you don't have to do the things that I mentioned here. There's like treks. You can go on like eight day treks across Spitsbergen. Um, the first day that we were there, these like eight guys were filling up 40 like jugs full of boiling water. And they're like, oh yeah, we're going on an eight day excursion, like hiking through Spitsbergen. And I'm like, that sounds terrible, but have fun. <laughs> um, it was... It was a great time, great experience. It was really cold there. It got down to like minus 28 with wind chill, like negative eight, just flat, flat out. Um, but I wore like these fleecy hunting pants. Um, I wore like a shirt, a long sleeve, and then like a thick jacket, the jacket I wore to Iceland, and like a beanie, and I was cool. Um, so, you know, it's not something that you have to really stress about doing, I don't think, but it was definitely an amazing location and a place that I would highly recommend. I don't know if I would go back. Um, I don't really know what more I would want to do besides maybe go on some of these other excursions, but I feel like there are things that I could do other places as well. So it's definitely a kind of once in a lifetime, like, yeah, I went to Svalbard. It was beautiful. Loved it. Had a great time. Um, so yeah, it is one of the only places that you can see polar bears in the wild. So like if that's one of your things, definitely check that out. Go on an East Coast tour or a cruise. Those are the best ways for you to see those. Um, but yeah, great time. Highly recommend it. And for what what did I say? Three twenty five round trip um, from Copenhagen. Totally worth it. Um, <clears throat> the hotels and things like that. I think the hotel was maybe like a hundred bucks a night. Uh, maybe 120 for the two of us and food was honestly maybe a tad bit more expensive than Copenhagen but not really so like if you're already in Copenhagen I really did not see a difference in day-to-day -day expenses going to Svalbard other than like the excursion cost a few hundred dollars um, and then you know just the extra plane tickets to get up there so totally if you're nearby and it's something that interests you you know spend a couple extra hundred bucks and get up there and check it out. I think you will um, really have a great time. So that's it for this episode. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to some summer trips. Um, we'll see what happens about those. I'm still in the process of planning. I was looking to planning some places in Africa and then um, I was getting really excited about it. And then today I woke up and there was news that a civil war had broken out in that country. So that's probably not going to happen this year, but um, definitely we'll put it on my list for future, future excursions. So anyways, remember, it's up to you to make your life interesting. So get up, get out, explore the world, take that next adventure. Thank you so much for joining me here again today, and I can't wait to talk to you later. See you.